super busy all week. I got time for Easter. Now I went from that. Now I got some religion. But, but the Lord's saying, wait, just slow, pull it back, right? Pull all that activity back. How can you do that? I got things to do, Jamin. I got things I have on my mind, and I got things on my plate, and you're telling me to, to slow down and hold back. Well, if I do that, everything falls apart. But does it? What did God do on the seventh day? What do we call that? That's right, the Sabbath. It's called the Sabbath. And in Hebrews, it talks about the Sabbath and that God rested and that we rest. He did it as an example. (laughs) God was showing us what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to rest like him. The Sabbath rest. And the scripture says this, this, that, that man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. In other words, the Sabbath isn't just another rule you keep. The Sabbath has to, is there to help you to rest. Cease from your own work. So how do we relinquish all this activity? How do we, well, we have to put it somewhere. Well, where are you going to put it? On him casting the whole of your care upon him for he cares for you. You cannot cast care on somebody you aren't too sure cares about you. But when you know he cares for you, you can cast the whole of your care on him. And you notice in the scriptures, it doesn't say cast some of your care. It says cast all of your care. That is irresponsible, Jamin. That is completely irresponsible to cast my care on the Lord. But in not that way. He knows that you have things you've got to do. He knows about the activity of the world. And if you don't have anything to worry about, you can watch TV and they'll give you some things to worry about. Watch the news. I ran out of things to worry about. Oh, no, we got plenty to worry about. Wait till you hear what happened in this small town in the middle of the country. It was terrible. You know? Oh, that sounds like a great piece of news for me. Maybe that'll happen to me now. Now I can worry about that. You see? Control. Fear. When, and, and who's missing in these stories? There's a, there's a character missing in every story in the news. God. He's completely missing in every single story. Now, they have Christian news. If you ever watch Christian news, that's actually kind of cool because that actually puts God in every story, and the news sounds a whole lot different when you bring God into it. Now, in the future, that is how the news will be shared, by the way, just so you know. I mean, all the news will, they'll talk about God through every news story. The knowledge of the glory of God will absolutely cover everything. Everything that we see now will be completely changed. It will not be anything like this. God didn't go anywhere, though we forgot. But we will remember. Because he sent the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So, so there's a lot of things. So what I was saying before is that God has brought people into our lives who care. He has. And they're all over the place. And you have been brought into other people's lives because you care. And so the more that we focus on that, we realize what's around us, this network that God's brought into our lives, we can be thankful. Because he doesn't ever leave us. He doesn't ever forsake us. And even when we feel like everybody's left us, they haven't because God's with us and he knows that we need people, okay? Sometimes we feel like we're an island to ourselves and we can do everything on our own. And you can go 
a long time. I'm pretty independent. I understand that thought. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to depend on anybody, you know. But maybe for some things you don't need anybody, but for other things you do. And God knows that. When we care, we nurture. When we care and nurture our relationships, they'll grow. When we don't, they don't grow. But they could still be there. God showed me one time in a dream about a relationship I had I did not take care of. But it was still there. And he showed me how not, and I don't purposely do this with relationships, but for some reason I completely neglected this relationship. And it was an important one. God had brought it into my life. God had brought this person into my life. And it was important for me to nurture that relationship. In other words, just check in. Be a friend. Care. Listen. You see? God is moving through us into other people's lives. Okay? So what we're doing is we are um, activation points of the love of God. We are channels for the love of God. We are, so like you can say, uh, I built a big business and I'm really rich. Okay, good job, check. That's a thing, good, good job, right? But you also can be a point of contact for the love of God, where you, because of your care, is connected with God's care, and now you're ministering that love into that person through a channel that God opened for you, okay? That's a much higher level than being a multi-billionaire, much higher. You leave all the billions, you go with all the goodness of God that's been pouring out in your life, okay? So this is where I talk about natural teaching and spiritual teaching. The higher place is becoming um, a minister of light, okay? Because you are um, a being of light. So when you are caring for people and you are ministering God's love into, into people's lives, you are actually, what's happening is he heavenly substance is flowing through your life into somebody else's because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. And so that love is being moved out into different places. So that, so that what I'm saying here is that there are people that God has brought into your life that are there to help you. And the more that we recognize them and nurture those relationships, the more they'll grow. And then we'll see even more of the goodness of God. And um, now, not everybody that's in our life, God brought into our life, I will tell you that. Some people, uh, the adversary, <laughs> Satan, <laughs> tried to bring into our life to mess us up. Mark those people and stay away from them. <laughs> but in for every one of them, there's going to be a whole bunch more that are there to help support you. Not everyone's going to understand you. Does anybody notice that? <laughs> they don't understand you. I mean, it happens. And, and you know what I say about that? I'm not trying to get other people to understand me. I'm just going to be who God made me to be. God will bring the people into my life, just like he brings them into your life, who contribute to what the work of God is that you're doing. And sometimes the things that we do are very unique. And when we try to compare ourselves with other people, we miss out on what's unique about us. You see what I'm saying? You got Instagram, you know, Facebook. Hey, I'm going on a cruise. Hey, I'm doing this. I don't know. 
you know, and all this kind of stuff, right? And you're like, well, maybe that's me. Why don't you just, I mean, yeah, of course, it's fun to go on a cruise, right? But I'm just saying, like, our identity, who we are as a person, we're, um, we are actually uh, defined by God himself. So he's given us these unique abilities, these uncanny things. And as we um, think on the love of God and think about who God is in us, we become aware of that in everybody. We see all of these amazing things that God's put into everyone, and every time we meet a person, we're like, wow. Now, some people have this naturally. Like, you, like some people just naturally, this flows through them. The second they meet a person, they just see the gift of God in them and who they are, and they're super excited about that, you know? And so, and that's a good thing. That's speaking into the, the good that God has put into each one of us. What, what we want to do is find out all the things wrong that they did, and then decide how we can fix them. That's a bad idea. Because number one, you can't fix anybody. Uh, number two, nobody's, they're not really broken. Um, people don't, they're not broken like that. What ends up happening when you say, well, that person's broken. Well, they're not broken. They're, they're just not living in the fullness of what God made them to be just yet in this particular area. But you might find there's another area that they are. That's none of my business. <laughs> I'm just going to find the good, and I'm going to speak to that good in each person. You see how it works? It's really easy to find the bad, isn't it? It's easy. It's like, oh, that's bad, and that's bad, and that's bad. We're going to fix that. No, you're not. You're not going to fix anything. You're just going to irritate them. Speak the love of God into them. Speak into the good. Not, don't let evil define you, and don't let evil define other people. Don't let sin define you. You're not a slave to sin anymore. Don't let things that are apart from God define you. Let the things that are in God define you. Don't even acknowledge those things. Right? Don't acknowledge them. Don't acknowledge the things that you don't want. Acknowledge the things that you do want. It's a simple thing, but we forget. You know, I can go on a rant about, well, I think this about politics, and I think that about politics, and this person's doing that. Is that making anything? No. Am I helping anyone? No, because half the time that I say anything about politics, I'm telling a whole bunch of people that agree with me anyway. <laughs> they already know this, Jamin. You know, so we're going to the higher place. How do we solve the problems in, in, in the United States right now? We need new representatives in government. We need, you know, you can go on and on, right? And get all political about it. Or you can go higher and say it's the love of God. You know, God uses um, things that nobody would think he would use. He does this all the time. He's done it from the very beginning until now, and he's going to do it again. There's going to be something, someone, that no one would have ever expected would be a channel for the goodness of God, and bam, there they are, and everyone's going to go, God used that person? That's weird. <laughs> you know why? Because it isn't about how clever we are. It's about how good he is. You know, we're like, oh, I'm super clever. I figured this out. I figured that out. And God's like, let me show you. I'm going to take the thing that you think is the most foolish, and I'm going to use it. And there it is. Because and it's not about him having to posture himself to be greater than us. It's, it has to do with him communicating his love to us. He's trying to let us know that in him, we are fully realized. And apart from him, we aren't realized. In other words, we aren't discovered. We discover ourselves when we discover ourselves in him. That's when we find out who we really are. 
And he gives us this message from the time we're born, by the way. So I'm not like, this isn't the first time you heard this. God tells us this from the very beginning. He says, I'm the one that defines you. And, and the more that you acknowledge me, the more who you really are will begin to come through. Isn't that amazing how he does that? So when you see people and you say, well, they're broken and they're this and they're that. Well, wh- a lot of times what you find is if they would just acknowledge him in their heart, it would change everything about their life. Because God is the one that defines us. It doesn't mean that we all become little Christian robots. I'm a Christian now. This is how I have to talk. You are still you. But instead of living out of fear and and inferiority or anxiety or insecurity, you're living out of the confidence that comes from the knowledge of God because of who he is and the fact that he truly does love you. And he knows exactly who you are. He knows everything about you. He knows, he knows that the Bible says he even counts all the hair on your head. He knows every single hair. He knows every single cell. He's intimately acquainted with every part of your body. And if you need healing in your body, you can ask him and he will heal you because he knows what those organs are supposed to do. You say, I surrender, the, you know, I surrender this organ that is not working correctly in my body. I surrender it to you, God. Turn it into what it needs to be. Change it into what it was supposed to do. It's not working right. I submit my body to you. That's a good activation. <laughs> okay, so these are things that we can do. We are very powerful to change the world around us by acknowledging him and coming into him. So there's a lot of, this is what all the scriptures are about. I'm giving you lots of paraphrases here, but... Let me show you, um, let me show you this one. This is a good one. Um, it is Resurrection Sunday. Yes, it is. Philippians 2. It's good stuff. Listen, anytime we can talk about the resurrection, we go for it because it's a good time. It's good to meditate on the resurrection. Philippians 2, verse 7, in the... Aramaic, the blue highlight. <laughs> um, so, so again, you know, God gives us examples, right? He, he shows us, he gives us examples of, you know, how to do it. Because <laughs> isn't it easier if you can watch someone do it first? You know, if you're going to be, you know, changing Changing out a light bulb, or not a light bulb, hopefully you know how to do that, but changing out a light switch or something, a socket, you know, or, or, or doing something around your house. And what do you do? You go on YouTube and you watch somebody do it. Because you're like, oh, yeah. It's the easiest way to learn is to watch somebody by example do the thing. Even like fixing cars. Someone told me the other day, I said, I'm not a car person, really. They're like, oh, it's all right. You just watch it on YouTube. I'm like, ah, that still doesn't make me a car person. <laughs> I know. I remember one time I got a radio, and I'm like, I get it from Crutchfield, and I'm like, I can do this. I broke a whole bunch of stuff. I'm like, forget it. I'm just paying somebody to do it. You know, because, you know, but now if I practiced, I would be able to do it. But my patience level was like this, and I'm like, I broke this, and I'm not happy, and so I'm paying somebody to do it. So, but, you know, that's, the, that's just the way it is. It's easier to see somebody. Now, back then, they didn't have the YouTube videos, because this was like 10 years ago before, or 15 years ago before they started doing that. Remember, I got that little radio for the Mitsubishi. So I broke like all the little things behind the, um, anyway, like I said, I'm not a car guy, but I broke a bunch of stuff. So the guy came in, fixed it, it was done. Everything was good, right? 
But watching stuff, it helps. It does help. It makes it easier because you can see people do it, and then they can tell you. You can see the pieces that they're using, the tools they're using, and what it looks like all the way through. And a good tutorial demo will help you with that. And that's because visual is a great learner. Visual learning is excellent. Some people are audible. You know, you, you ever study the learners, the different kind of learners there are? You have audible learners, sight learners, you know, these tactile, they have to do it to learn it. They have to give them the thing and then they do it and then they know how to do it. If you told them, they have no idea how to do it. You got to give them a thing, then they do it. So you got to know what kind of learner you got. But either way you look at it, we have an example. So we have a spiritual example. Um, who's Jesus? Who's in the heavens, right? So we know he's there. He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now in a physical body. Physical body, not a spiritual body. There are plenty of spiritual bodies everywhere, and in the heavens there are spiritual body land. But Jesus has a flesh and bone body, just like our body. It is a glorified body. It's one that can take it. If your flesh and blood body went into heaven, gone. <laughs> Cannot handle it. But a glorified body can. And Jesus was showing us what a glorified body looked like. And then he was like, hey, and I sit at the right hand of the Father in a glorified body in the Trinity. In the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Son is 100% man and 100% God. What does that mean about our body? That's a pretty big deal because he didn't like take a chair <laughs> and bring it into heaven, you know, or a tree even. You'd think of a tree maybe, a mountain, something from earth into heaven. No, it was a human body. There's now a human body in the heavens that can handle the glory of God. It's a glorified body, mind you. Now, when the glory of God comes upon your body, and it can, this happens, okay? You, a lot of times, will fall over. <laughs> that is the thing that happens. Um, there are times where people fall down on the ground. If you look in Revelation, uh, when John was um, getting his vision, he, he kept falling down and they had to lift him back up again. Ezekiel, the same thing. He was actually picked up by his hair <laughs> in the air. <laughs> he was falling over. So they had to have strength in order to even stand in the presence of God because of the power of God. So you can have the power of God on you in your body right now. You don't have to wait go into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit to the earth and the Holy Spirit can come upon us, any one of us, at any time. And you may fall over. <laughs> it could happen. It depends on how cranked up it is because <laughs> it comes in levels. Glory of God, just so you know, he is very aware of what we can and cannot handle. And sometimes he, you know, he tweaks that level a little bit, you know, just to kind of make it simple. It's, he tweaks it, and sometimes it gets up really high. And sometimes it's just like, you're like, bring it, Lord. <laughs> and if you ever do that, he will. <laughs> and then you'll be on the floor. And you might get up hours later. Who knows? It depends on how much of the Lord you're wanting to enjoy. Listen, we enjoy a lot of things like that. I say enjoy the Lord like that. Why not be so full of God and so full of God's love that you can't even stand up? You can't even talk. Sometimes they couldn't even talk in the Bible. Tried to talk. Remember when Jesus was born and it was at Zechariah? He couldn't talk. He couldn't speak. Right? And then he just wrote stuff on a piece of paper. 
Well, what was that? Well, the God's glory was on him. You know, yeah, he did something he wasn't supposed to, but still, he couldn't speak, right? So that can happen too. But that's God's glory. He wants us to be filled with him. He wants us to be filled with the knowledge of him, the knowledge of his glory. It's not just the knowledge of God, it's the knowledge of the glory of God. Because people are like, yeah, I acknowledge God. He did this to me, and he took this person away from me, and he did this and that. They don't know God. They don't understand that wasn't God. When things are stolen from you in your life, that's not God. God's not like, I'm the stealer too. Look out. He doesn't do that. He's like, he's love. When Jesus was on the cross, all the sin of the whole world was put on him. The Father never turned his back on Jesus. Do not let people convince you that the Father turned his back on Jesus. The scripture says very clearly, it was God in Christ redeeming the world to himself. When Jesus was saying what he said in Aramaic, that was, for this time am I here. That's what it was. And if you read the other scripture where it says, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting Psalm 22. And if you read Psalm 22, you find out that God did not forsake him. God never, the Father never forsook the Son. It, the Son is God. <laughs> you can't forsake yourself. You see, that dark cloud was the same dark cloud on top of Mount Sinai. That darkness that covered during that crucifixion is the same darkness that covered the top of Mount Sinai when Moses went up. That was the actual manifest presence of the Father himself completely covering Jesus. It's the most powerful event in all recorded history. I believe it's the most powerful event in all creation because it restores men back into their sonship. So just know this. The Father does not reject you. He never rejected his son. Finding out about Jesus isn't appeasing an angry God. It's coming into revelation in our mind what God did for us and that he took care of sin once and for all. We don't have to have sin in our lives. Jesus took it, the, the condemnation, because what comes with sin? Guilt, shame. You know, think about Adam and Eve. What'd they do? They were like, hey, we hang out with God. We're having a great time. We're in the garden. We eat whatever we want. We really don't have to do anything but tend the garden. It's a beautiful place. We love this. We spend time with God every day. He shows us these amazing things. We have all these animals that come up to us. We named them all. I have this giant lion that I hang out with. We're having a great time, right? And then all of a sudden, they're hiding. They're afraid. They're in the bushes. They're putting fig leaves all over themselves because they're ashamed. They don't have a covering anymore. They lost their covering. And they're ashamed. And what does God do? Be done with them. No, he's looking for them. Hey, where are you at? Where'd you go? You know, I can't see you. Peekaboo, where'd you go? You know, God knows where they are. He wants them to come out. Aren't we going to play again? Can't we play? No, we can't. Well, what's wrong? They come out and they have all this, you know, leaves and stuff all over them. And he's like, oh, man, how sad. They were having such a good time. And here they came. They did something. Shame, guilt, condemnation. They live in a garden. The garden is full of trees. What happens when you lo lose your a limb or two. Look at this tree back here. It starts to cover itself in leaves. That's how it covered itself was in leaves. Adam and Eve are in a garden. All they see are trees. They realize that they're naked. Well, they're going to put some leaves on. That is not what you cover yourself with. <laughs> that does not work. 
So God sees them, and he sees that they're ashamed and that they're afraid. They're afraid of him, which is terrible. You wouldn't want that, right? But they're also ashamed. And so what does he do? He says, listen, I'm going to show you how this works. And he took an animal, and he killed an animal. There was the shedding of blood. And he covered them with the skin of the animal. And he said, this is how you properly cover yourself. And what he was doing is he was telling them that your shame covers you now. But in the future, I will cover you with my own blood. He was telling them about Jesus. That was the animal that was slain at the very, very beginning in Genesis. The very first prophecy ever of Jesus took place in the very beginning. Because he was letting you know that Jesus is the lamb shed from the, the, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And his blood was shed to cover us because he says, you don't have to cover yourself with your works anymore. You don't have to cover yourself with your ability to be more righteous. He goes, I will cover you. I will clothe you with my robes of righteousness. I will cover you so that you can operate as a priesthood before God where you can walk right into my presence as the priest would in the Old Testament and you can walk right into my glory and I will cover you with my glory. I will cover you because of the, of the shed blood of Jesus. So even in the beginning, people were ashamed and they were afraid of God because of the things that they had done, because they knew what they did wasn't right and they were afraid that God would destroy them for what they did. And what God was doing was he was looking for man to tell him that your works do not save you. The things that you do, just because you can see trees are covered in leaves, you're not a tree. <laughs> you are a person. And there is only one thing that covers a person, and that's glory. And so you are covered now with my glory, he says, with my covering. And in the, and in the New Testament, you see the Apostle Paul say, you are clothed in robes of righteousness. Get rid of those filthy rags. The filthy rags are your works all the things you're trying to do to get better with God. And he's like, no, let me show you how it's done. The lamb is slain. The animal was slain. And he is the one that covers you. Jesus is the one that covers you. You are just like him. Exactly like Jesus. And the more you realize that, the more you change. And how are you changing? You're changing into your original design. He's saying, I always knew this. Yes, you did. And Jesus is reminding you of it. He's reminding you that you were always made just like him. Okay? So this is what God's doing with us. He's changing us. He's changing the way we see ourselves. He's changing, uh, leaving behind these old works that we did to try to please God and realize that Jesus was, because think about this. When Jesus first came into his ministry, he was 30 years old, and he got baptized by John, John the Baptist, John the Dunker, okay? And he got dunked by John. So John dunks him, and up he comes, right? And when he comes up, there's a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus actually hadn't done anything yet. <laughs> God was already pleased with him. And he hadn't even done any work. He hadn't ministered to anybody because his ministry had not started yet. That was the beginning. And at the beginning of the ministry, the father's like, yes, he is awesome. What does he say about us in Christ? We are awesome. We're beloved sons in Christ. What makes us feel unloved is our separated mindset. It's the same mindset that Adam had, that you are separated from God, that you did something that God doesn't like, and now he has run away from you. And that is a lie. And Jesus came to expose that lie and put it to death. 
And that is that lie, that slave mentality. It's a slave mentality is what it is. That you are a slave to sin. That no matter what you try to do, sin is just going to get you. And Jesus came to say, I set the captive free. You are no longer a slave. You are free. Free for what? Free to be you. And who are you? You're righteous. You're holy. That's who you really are. What if I did something that wasn't holy? Well, stop doing that. (laughs) It's simple. That's what it says in the Bible. Just stop doing that. Yeah, but doesn't that now identify me? It does not identify you. You just did that wrong. Do it right now. You see it. You can do it right. Do it right. You see? Sometimes we're like, well, I don't want to do it right. Well, God's got to do this. He's got to change my want. He doesn't need to change your want. Just identify with Christ. Want? You don't need to want that. It's like, I just want, you know, garbage. Well, you don't really want garbage. You actually identified it as garbage. So you're obviously lying to yourself. <laughs> so so anyway, so he set us free from that. So let's look at Philippians. So Philippians 2.7. So this is, this is our example. Okay, remember I was saying an example. You go online, you see the example. This is our example. But he emptied his soul and took the likeness of a servant and was in the likeness of the children of men and was found in the design just as a son of Adam. Remember how I talked about Adam? So, so Jesus, this is Jesus, right? He emptied his soul. He took, he went low, 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 super low. Remember what he did? He was washing feet. He was so low. <laughs> the word of God, the logos, all things consist by him. All things are made by him. Nothing is made that has not been made by the word. That is Yeshua. That is Jesus in flesh. That is who he is. He is the highest of the high. He lowered himself so low and emptied everything out and washed the feet of his own disciples. He's showing us the example of how this works. You go super low, and and you're like, as low as I am, can I go lower? You absolutely can. The king of all glory emptied himself and became like a servant. He's washing dirty feet, guys. That's a pretty big deal. That is not a thing kings do. But he's showing us how it looks like in this kingdom. It's different than they tell us. So he's showing us the example. He's showing us the path. He's showing us the way. He took on the likeness of the children of men. You know, Jesus doesn't, didn't look like the children of men before he came into flesh. He was glorified. Like, di- like some people have seen him with, with diamond skin that glistens, you know? I mean, we're talking like glorified, magnified, powerful. And he takes on just a normal, you guys have watched The Chosen, right? You see The Chosen, and he's just a you know, normal guy. You know, what's cool about it is that he's a likable guy. You know, he's not like, oh, don't get away, get away from me, I'm super holy. He's just like one of the guys, you know? And that's the way Jesus is, because he's low. But he's the son of God, right? So here we have it. He was in the likeness of the children of men and was found in the design just as the son of Adam. So he looked like Adam. And how did Adam act? Oh, I'm so ashamed, right? But not Jesus. He was like, my father loves me. He'll never leave me. I'm always before him. I'm, I only do what I see my father do. You know, he's just like, he's chilled. He's resting. 
in what? His relationship. When you know you're cool with God, you can rest. Right? I mean, if God is like, I think you're pretty cool, and you're like, hey, God said I'm cool. God says I'm all right. Well, now you can chill out. And half the time, people don't even want to try that. Well, God definitely don't like me. <laughs> They'd be like, no, God definitely does like you. <laughs> well, I did a bunch of bad stuff. Well, he doesn't like that because that hurt you. But he really likes you a lot. You, he likes you more than you, you like yourself. I can tell you that. He does. He really likes you. So this is what Jesus did. He, so even though he looked like Adam, he didn't act like Adam. Because the Bible calls him the second Adam. Okay? He humbled, him, he humbled his soul. So here's the lowest level he went. And he was obedient unto death. He's the immortal God from the beginning of all time. You see what I'm saying? He lives outside of time. Death has no power over him. Jesus said, no man takes my life. Nobody takes Jesus' life. You can't kill Jesus. They tried to kill him. Multiple times they tried to kill Jesus, and he can't die. Like at one point, the entire town was going to, and I mention this all the time, but they were going to push him off the cliff. The whole town, they're like, we're pushing you off the cliff. And what does he do? He walks right through them. They can't touch him. They can't touch him because he can't die. <laughs> so when he's on the cross, he gave that. He gave his life. You know, a lot of times he didn't speak. Well, first of all, that fulfills what it says in the scripture. You know, like a lamb before the slaughter, he did not speak, right? He was silent. Why don't you defend yourself, Jesus? He's doing it perfect. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. So he's not saying anything. He could have said one word. I mean, he did it in the garden, remember? The first time they came to get him and they all fell over. Are you, are you Jesus? I am. Boom. He took out an entire legion of, arm, of, of the army because he opened his mouth. <laughs> so he didn't open his mouth the whole time because he knew what he had to do. He knew he had to die. And he prayed in the garden. And what did he pray? Raise me from the dead. <laughs> and the Bible says he was heard. So he knew he was going. He knew he was dying. And he asked to be raised from the dead. And God heard him. And then he was raised from the dead. That's very clear. You can see that in the scriptures. Okay? So he humbled his soul. And he became obedient to death. And then the worst kind of death, the death of the cross. That was an agonizing death. And I won't get into all the details. You can look this stuff up online. But the cross was not a pleasant death. And it was done that on purpose because the Romans were masters of torture. They were the best of the best. They probably will never be anybody as good as the Romans. Thankfully, those years are gone now. <laughs> and we will never go back to them again. But they were the best of the torturers. And that is why God chose that time. All of this. Think about it. An entire empire created for one purpose. To crucify the Lord of glory. Incredible. The most powerful, the most powerful empire in recorded history. And what was their job? That was the high point of their, of their entire existence was to crucify the Lord of glory. That's what they did. And they created the most horrific way of doing it so that we could see the degree of which God was humbling himself to reconcile the world back to himself. He did it through Jesus. Incredible. Incredible. He set that whole thing up. And, and you know, the, the, the leaders and the rulers of the world thought that they did it. <laughs> That's why he laughs at his enemies. Okay, because of this, God also has, what? Upraised him or raised him much higher 
and granted to him the name more than all names, the highest name that there can be. Because remember, in the name is everything. Okay? You have a name, but you know you also have a name in heaven. You have another name. You can ask God about it. You have another name in heaven, a secret name. (laughs) But you have a name here too. You're known by your name on earth by the name that was given to you by your parents. But you also have a name in heaven. Okay? We're we're all going to learn them. So what was, so it's Jesus, Yeshua, that in the name of Yeshua, Jesus, all knees will bend in heaven and on the land and from below the land, and all tongues will declare that Yeshua Mashiach is Yahweh for the glory of God his Father. Yeshua Mashiach is Yahweh. Yahweh is the name of God. It's the name that was revealed in the Old Testament. And what are they declaring? Yeshua, Jesus, he is Yahweh. Whoa. He is not just an ascended master, a really moral guy who did a lot of stuff and had a bad rap. Yeshua is Yahweh. That's what they confess. Because guess what they're going to see? Here he comes. He's in the sky and he's radiating more light than the sun. (laughs) What is happening? I don't know, but that's Jesus. And he's amazing. So Jesus raised. So he went low and then God raised. Oops. Knock everything over. God raised him, right? He he's the one that raised him. People say, Well, I, I I need to get my name out there. Well, why don't you let God raise you? Let God do it. Let God you know, I always say, I always have these conversations with the Lord. Well, I can do this and this, and the Lord's like, Look, what do you want? I'm like, I just want the best. I'll give it to you. Just ask him. He'll give you the best. He doesn't withhold anything. A lot of times when we're not getting the best, it's because we're trying to get something that God's already providing for us. We're like, think about it. It's a replacement. It's, it's a substitute for what God had. And God's not going to stop you from taking your substitute. You'd be like, well, that's what they wanted, so that's what they have. But he'll give you clues. He'll tell you, hey, I got something better. And you'll be like, yeah, but I'm not sure you're going to be able to get it to me. Well, well. Why don't you think about that a little bit? He got Jesus to you. Might be able to get it to you. It's <laughs> a good chance that it's going to come. You know, but you got to let go of the other thing. Because that ain't him. That's not easy. I'm, I'm saying it, okay, understanding that that's not always easy to do. But sometimes you do have to let go of some things that aren't God. Because if you, well, I mean, if you want what God has, you got to let go of the old stuff. The old works the fig leaves that you put or whatever kind of leaves they were those leaves that you put on yourself to cover your your works you got to leave that behind let god clothe you with his righteousness with his healing with his love let him clothe you put aside that other stuff listen there's always the naysayers there's always going to be somebody pointing fingers and making judgments and do that's called the accuser of the brethren just so you know the spiritual force behind all of that is the devil himself. So you got to let that go too, because that is also a tough one, especially if you're concerned with reputation. Because Jesus had no reputation. <laughs> he didn't. When he started, he had nothing. They didn't like, they, remember, they weren't like at Nazareth. Oh, wow, Jesus, he's the son of God. What did they say in Nazareth? Oh, that's Mary's. That's Mary's son. 
I don't know. What is what is he saying he is? Yeah, he, I went to school with him. He he was like a straight B student. <laughs> they say stuff like that about Jesus because they're not seeing. Will they do that about us? Yeah, they will. Does that stop him? No. What is he doing? He's going through it. He's going to fulfill what God put in his heart. And God's put something in every one of us. And it may not be, obviously it's not like Jesus, but it always comes through being humble, going low. It's the low, it's the humble. And I say it, and I know people are like, I know you can do it. And I know that when it comes time, we're like, nope, give it to me. I want it. You know, and you're like, no, go low, go low, go low. There's so many beautiful things that God does when you're low. If you go low and go humble in your heart and then look around and see what God does. Did anybody else see it? No, only you saw it and God saw it. But in heaven, they saw it. They were rejoicing with you when that happened. Even though nobody on the earth was, was a part of that, in heaven they were, and they were so excited for you. They're so excited when those things happen, when those little low things that nobody sees and nobody knows about, they're pumped. It's really valuable. It's super valuable. If you get the accolades and everything on the earth, you get everything from men right now. Jesus said you already have your reward, but the rewards that are in heaven are so powerful. They're, they're filled with the glory of God. They're filled with the knowledge of God. They're filled with the love of God and they go out into eternity and they don't cease. They keep going. <laughs> if you get a reward right now and I give you all a gold star for today, you just got the gold star for today. But if you get the reward that comes from heaven, it goes out into eternity. Look at what Jesus did. It affects every single person ever born on the planet past, present, and future. It's so strong. That's what God put in us. His spirit, his love, his direction, his plan. And it's not a plan that you have to strive at. It's one that you sit in the seat of rest. You allow him to move through you, and it changes everything around you. Your life now becomes a garden. Your life is now filled with the knowledge of God, filled with the goodness of God. And now you become a spectacle for all the world to look at. And everyone goes, what's up with that? And you go, look up. It's the Lord. He's working through my life. It's because I don't need anything from here. God takes care of me. I have a relationship with Yahweh through Jesus inside of my heart. And he's made a garden out of my life. You say, that's why Jesus did what he did. That's why he rose. And even this physical body now becomes a manifestation of the goodness of God because we will all raise. And all the people that you knew, they're in the ground. They're going to come out of the ground. <laughs> it's going to be pretty wild. But we're, we're going to get there over time. Okay? Over time. God knows that we have to grow. He knows that. He made all the plants. He knows that the plant doesn't just appear. But he nurtures us. He nurtures us. So like he nurtures us, we nurture other people. And his nurturing is for our growth. Because he's not changing us in that way. We are who we are. We were created in his image. But what he's doing is he's nurturing us and changing us in the knowledge of who we are and the knowledge of Christ, okay? Do you have any questions? Okay.
So again, the Word of God is amazing because it tells us about these truths that are so... Now, you do understand a couple things. The epistles, which were written by the Apostle Paul, were written first before all the other books. They wrote the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they had written the epistles. And they wanted to know the story of what Paul was talking about in the epistles. Did you know that? Yeah. So the Gospels were written after the letters of Paul. And they wanted to let them know what Paul, for people who did not know about Jesus, what actually had happened in, in uh, Israel and in the Middle East there. They wanted to know his story. So you had Matthew. They all had different things. Some of them were with Jesus. Some of them weren't. You know, you have John, you know, the beloved. His is out there. You know, you have the three synoptic gospels. So again, this message of the resurrection is a process of understanding even at the beginning. But the gospel, the actual message of the gospel was given to the apostle Paul. And that is where it comes from. So that when we say the gospel, we don't mean like the four synoptic gospels. We mean the good news. The Actually, it's called a royal proclamation. That's actually the literal word for, uh, for the message. It's a proclamation royal that comes from the heavenly realm. So this is a royal proclamation. God loves you. God does not hold your sin against you. You are a beloved son or a beloved child of God. That is the gospel message through Christ. Christ took it all on himself. And he rose because he rose, you rose with him. When he died, you died. When he rose, you rose. This is the message of the gospel. It is a royal proclamation. It is considered excellent news, good news, so good that when the news is released, both earth and heaven celebrate at this news. <laughs> we, it's that big of news, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so that is what we have, and that is where we've been brought. So we're in him. We're low. You know, he, Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You say, when you're meek and you're lowly, a lot of our effort is us puffing ourselves up. It really is. Self-promotion, that kind of thing. Let God do it. I know that I know that people have jobs. I know you have responsibilities. I know you have to advertise, do all this stuff. But let God promote it. You know what I'm saying? Don't rely on the things of the flesh the things of the natural. Don't lean on them. You know they're there, but be supported by God. Be supported by his love for you. You have that out there. You have your advertising. You have your things in your business. You have your different stuff you do. That's fine. But don't put your trust in that. Put your trust in him. Above, you know? That's what it means to be low, you know? To put all your confidence in him, you know? God knows what you have. He knows. He's completely aware of everything that you're going through. He totally knows it. And not only does he know it, he doesn't know it like, yeah, I know. Don't worry about it. He's, that's not him. Now, that's how I talk. You can ask my son. That's how I talk. Get over it. That's not how God talks. I just know this because this is how he, I've talked to him about this. He, he cares too, <laughs> you know, and not only does he care, he can feel what you feel. That's very powerful to understand. When you have a feeling, okay, something, a hurt or even a joy, he feels that with you. Now, the hurt, he'll, he'll trade it. You can trade that with him. So if you have a hurt, you can trade that for healing. You can give that to him, and he'll give you his joy. You have sadness, you can trade that. He'll give you joy. You have turmoil, you can trade that. He'll give you peace. He'll carry that. Remember, what is the cross? It's all of this junk, right? So he took it all. 
so we can consciously remember about that exchange. And you can do that throughout your whole life. There's so much he's given us. You know, so, you know, you take a little bit here and there. You go in here and there. Yes, God is a bit overwhelming. He's really big. <laughs> but he knows where we are. And he knows what we can take. And he knows what we can digest. And he um, works in us to do that for that comprehension. Okay? If everything happened at once, first of all, you wouldn't appreciate it because it already happened. <laughs> and you wouldn't understand how great it was. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't understand how great it was because it just was instantaneous. So he put us inside of time so that in time we can see it. It's like a, um, so time is a dimension, okay? So you can see it inside of time because now it had, you know, if, if, if this was 2D instead of 3D, it'd be kind of weird, right? Because you wouldn't be able to pick it up, but we got three dimensions, right? And then we also have another dimension called time. God made all of those dimensions for us to enjoy the goodness of God. Time is also a dimension so that you can experience him. Mm. It's true. It's totally true. So don't be afraid of time. Don't be angry with time. You're like, hey, I'm older now. Well, yeah. But now you can look back and you can see the goodness of God inside of time, not just in these three dimensions, but now you have a fourth dimension of time. You have space and time. He made all of it. Time is to help us. It's our. It's like um. It's like a, not a servant, but like a helper, like a um, a tool. It's a tool for us. You know, I always use the term compounding interest. <laughs> you know, if you ever go to a financial consultant, they talk about compounding interest. Don't forget the power of compounding interest. Well, that has to do with time, right? So we know how it works with money. But now I'm talking about it in our own life that God gives us time to. So we have a lot of good stuff. I can go on and on. But remember today, Resurrection Sunday, you've been raised with Christ. You are seated with him, the Bible says in Colossians. So put your thoughts above where you are, where you're seated with him. All right, we'll close. Father, we thank you for being so good, for giving us a wonderful, amazing, phenomenal inheritance in Christ that we're all experiencing you in so many, many different ways, in many different times. And we are just so grateful. So we just go in right now by faith. We go into our own heart, our own garden that you put in us, that garden which is outflowing into a physical garden in the natural realm. And we just thank you. We sit with you today. We sit by Yeshua we enjoy the feast that's been laid before us in the spirit of the goodness of God, the treasures, the bread, the, 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 the wine, the juice, the things that you've given us, your blood shed for us, your body buried and raised as us. And when you were raised, we were raised. We just sink deep into your love today. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.